So we are in the midst of a short little sermon series, simply titled, Being Married and Raising Kids. If you're with us last week, you know that we're, we're pulling our section today uh, for the series from the book of Colossians. So if you have a Bible, or maybe grab one around you, uh, would you head to Colossians chapter 3? Now last week we looked at what the Bible calls for the wives. Next week we're going to be looking at what the Bible says for kids. Today we're going to be looking at what God says to the husbands. And whether or not you are a husband, my prayer is that God did bring you here because he has something for you. So I pray that if you're not a husband, that you'd have the eyes to hear something that God has for you, maybe even in unexpected ways. Here's what I know about our culture, and I think goes for people in the church too, is that we, we are a people who are crystal clear on what other people should be doing, on what they should be doing. But when it comes to our own lives, we don't necessarily respond with quick answers. We respond, I think, often with a, like, a, uh, like a deep sigh. For instance, like wives, what should a husband be like? Immediately, he'll get like loving, committed, compassionate. Okay, great. Wives, what should a wife be like? Well, husbands, husbands, what should, what should a wife be like? Well, she should be loving and committed and kind and supportive. Okay, great. What, husbands, what should a husband be like? Well, isn't that true for everybody? We, we know what everyone else should be doing, but are you so confident and quick to answer what you should be doing? Because here's the reality. For, for Christians, the Bible is pretty clear that Christians, we ought to be walking our talk. Amen? I know it's a hard one, right? So let me just rephrase that. Christians should be walking our talk. Amen. Amen. And when it comes to the family, here's what, I'm, here's what I want you to know this here this morning. Like, God's keeping it pretty simple for us. This passage that we're looking at, there's one verse for wives, there's one verse for husbands, and a couple verses about raising kids. God is keeping this really simple for us. So, so if there's complexity, it's not because of what the Bible teaches. It's because maybe we're trying to live a standard other than what God has called us to. We're, we're trying to do things maybe that the world would have us do. I think I can say this. It really feels like the Apostle Paul and the Holy Spirit through him is really taking the approach of keep it simple, stupid. I mean, one verse for wives, one verse for husbands, and a couple verses on raising kids. It's like, don't complicate this. Don't complicate this. So as we hear the word of the Lord today, I want you to listen to the beautiful simplicity of what God says to families, about what God says about being married and raising kids. So would you hear the word of the Lord, Colossians chapter 3, we're going to read verses 18 to 21. Follow along as I read. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, Obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. 
And today, one verse, verse 19, focusing on the husbands today. Let's all read this next verse together. Let's all do it together. Here we go. Ready? Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Amen. Let's pray and then let's get to it. Lord in heaven, fathers, we come before you as your church. Lord, I want to specifically pray for the men in the house, the men, the future men, husbands, future husbands. Father, I want to pray for our brothers who are former husbands. Lord, just as the world needs men to be godly men, Lord, the home needs husbands to be Christ-like examples in all they do and say. Men who are willing to stand and also men who are willing to sacrifice. So, Father, I want to say thank you for the men of Peace Church who are setting this example for us. Would you be with us now by the power and presence of your Holy Spirit? We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. So, the CDC everyone's favorite organization these days. The CDC has some information uh, based on our most recent study of 2019. 2019. Uh, in, in 2019, 1.5 million children were born to unmarried parents. That's 40% of all babies born in the United States. For adults who are 18 to 44 years old, more of them at one point in their lives have lived with their partner than the number who have been married. 59% of 18 to 44-year-olds have lived with their partner, but only 50% have ever, ever been married. And what's interesting to note about that stat is that in the last 20 years, that's almost exactly flipped. I think it's sometimes it, it, we forget how fast culture is shifting, how fast norms are adapting and I think, you know, honestly, I think that's, that's part of the rub that there's between the next generation and the, and the previous generations is that the, the, the next generation, this, the newer generation, they don't realize how quickly things have changed. This is all they know. And so they, they get frustrated with those who maybe have been around the block who have seen how quickly things have changed. And if you live any sort of time, you know that a lot of times things that qu- change quickly with unchallenged or unchecked, that can lead to scary places. So it's not because we're a bunch of hateful, mean-spirited people, but when, when the older generations looks at this and they want to like push the brakes, again, it's not because they're hateful people. It's because when things change this quickly, it's almost hard to contain. And listen, I, I say these stats about un, you know, babies being born to unmarried parents and people living with their, their spouse and not being married to them. I say this to you because... These are things, having children and living with your partner, these are stats of things that men are doing right now in the United States, but biblically speaking, these are things that husbands should be doing. Men are doing these things without the commitment and obligation and honor of being a husband. And I'm not trying to go back to 1950, I'm trying to go back to what is right and true. And listen, I just want to say one thing real quick. I am not saying that a single dad can't be a great dad. I know a single father who is an amazing dad. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that God has design. He has a design. And as non-biblical ideals become more normalized, listen to me, those who are seeking to live a truly faithful Christian life, listen, we're beyond the point of having to accept the fact that we're going to be different. We have to own it. 
We just own it. We, we are not like the culture around us. We are a culture unto ourselves, living a life that does not look like what the world is looking. We're beyond the point of you having to accept that. You need to own that as part of your identity in Christ. And if there is a way for the church to shine in unique ways into our culture, it's the way that men assume the commitment and the responsibility of being a husband. Is every man called to be a husband? No. Jesus Christ himself was not a husband. The man who penned what we are reading here today, the Apostle Paul, was not a husband. Not every man is called to be a husband, but that doesn't mean that God doesn't have great purpose and great design for those who are called to be a husband. So our verse today is very simple. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. And as we walk through this one verse today, I think we see three things that kind of come out. And so we're going to keep it old school today, just an old school three-point sermon outline. Here's what I'd have you know about our verse today. Husbands, lead with God's blessing. Love with God's love and live with God's grace. As we walk through our passage very slowly today, I think these are the things that the Spirit is going to try and bring out for us today. So first thing, lead with God's blessing. Our passage starts out addressing the husbands. And listen to me, like we rightfully translate this word as husbands, but in the original language, it would have just said men. But it's speaking specifically to adult men who are married. We have a word for that in English, and it is husbands. So it's, even though it says men, it rightfully is addressing the husbands. So here's what I'd say. Husbands, Men, take up the mantle of the name to which you have been called. Men, husbands. As we looked at last week, wives are to submit to their husbands. As we'll look at next week, children are to obey their parents. Do you know what this means, guys? You're the leader. You can't relegate or delegate this. God is calling you to leadership, and he's blessing you with the mantle of leadership in the home. So take what's yours and live into it. This past week, I went to marriage.com, you know, because the internet has the answers for everything. So I went to marriage.com, and I went to this, this blog on this website about qualities of a, of, a, of a, I can't remember exactly how it was phrased, but it's basically like, how do you know if he's marriage material? And it gave 20, 20, 20 points about how you know, ladies, if he's marriage material. And it was a fascinating List. I'll, I'll, at the end of it, it summarized it like this. I said, the traits, this is a, this is a quote, the traits of a good husband include loyalty, commitment, respect, and of course, love. Now, this was after a top 20 list. And I'm going to tell you right now, like, emotional maturity wasn't even in the top 10. And there was absolutely nothing about leadership. And so as you can imagine, nothing about spiritual leadership. But for godly men, emotional maturity and spiritual leadership are at the forefront of who you are supposed to be as a husband. Men, the Lord calls your wife to submit to you and your children to obey you. This is why in the Old Testament and the New Testament, we see this really profound statement. It says, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. What did it say? A what? A 
Say it louder. A A man. A man. This is not the job of a boy or a dude. But a man. Listen to me. A dude can be loyal. A dude can be a good communicator. A dude can be loving. A dog can be all those things. Ladies, set the bar a little bit higher, okay? It takes a man to be emotionally mature and the spiritual leader that God is calling for the role of a husband. A man is the one that God blesses with leadership of the home, and a wife should admit to nothing less than a godly man. And imagine if we had a generation of children who were raised by men who were godly fathers. Man, leadership is your call. It's your blessing. And so the question is, is, is who in the home is stepping up to that role? Who in the home is stepping up to leadership? Because I'll be straight up, and I think you know it too. There's a vacuum of leadership in Christian homes, and ladies are the ones stepping up to bat. Our ladies are the ones who are praying Our ladies are the ones who are showing up to church. Our ladies are the ones who are serving. Our ladies are the ones who are disciplined and discipling their children. And I'm telling you now, at Peace Church, I'm proud of our ladies. We have some godly rock star women in this house. Praise God for you. Continue to walk in the strength God has given you in the Lord. But men, God has called and blessed you to be the leaders in your homes and in your marriages. So let me just tell you something about leadership. You know, Pastor Travis, during the prayer, he wanted ladies to close their ears and just have a talk with the guys. Like, I kind of want to do the same right now. And I just want to share about leadership. Like, God has blessed me to be one of the leaders of this amazing, growing, faithful church. And here's what I can tell you about leadership. Leadership is awkward It's embarrassing, and it can feel very lonely at times. And that translates, in a lot of ways, also to the home. When when you are the leader, when the mantle leadership falls on you, it can feel awkward, it can feel embarrassing, and it can feel very lonely at times. Like when, When a leader casts a vision, either a man in the home or a pastor at a church, when a man, when a leader casts a vision... He's not just like laying out a script of where he thinks that, you know, God wants us to go. Like, when a leader does that, he is tearing open his chest, pulling out his heart, and laying it down for everyone to see. He's being vulnerable and open to criticism. And when people attack that, that, that that's hard. But you know what? That's leadership. It's leading with who you are, who God's called you to be, going out and doing what you think God's called you to do. It can be awkward. It can be embarrassing. And it can feel very lonely at times. So let me get like real gritty, real life example for us here. Like as real as dirty dishes in the kitchen sink. Guys, here's one way that as a husband, you may find yourself feeling awkward and embarrassed and lonely. It's in praying with and for your family. It's grabbing your wife's hand and opening your mouth and praying out loud with her and over her 
and with your kids and maybe whoever God has brought into your home. Listen, I, even though I'm the lead pastor, I've listened to some people pray in this house and I wish I could pray like that. Like, you don't have to be the all-star best person of prayer to open your mouth and pray. It's not about how perfect of words you are. It's about how genuine your heart is. And I'm going to tell you right now, I guarantee godly wives in this house, they'd rather have a husband fumble through a prayer than have him not pray at all. Is that true, ladies? Like, this is obviously something we're meant to do together, but too often guys are the ones not doing this. Men, pray for your wife, with your wife, in front of your kids, pray for your kids. Whoever's in your house, the company of people, it may feel awkward, you may get embarrassed, and you may feel lonely, but guess what? That's part of leadership. That's part of leadership. Leadership is awkward, embarrassing, and hard, but someone's got to do it. And too many men are completely happy sitting back and letting their wives do what God has called and blessed them to do. Guys, he will not leave you alone to do this. Even though like, leadership, I said, can feel lonely at times, for those who walk in step with the Holy Spirit, you're never alone. So this leadership that God's called us to and blessed us with, let me tell you something about this leadership. This leadership is defined by love. Our leadership is defined by God's love. Love with God's love. Our passage says, husbands, love your wives. Too many men really love to talk about how they would take a bullet for their wife. Guys, let me tell you something. This is a lesson I am still learning. But don't talk about protecting your wife's life if you're not going to first pursue her heart. Love your wives. Protect her without question. But the call here is to pursue her heart. And when it comes to the homes, husbands, your first commitment is to her. And I'll be honest with you, like, when I was growing up, I kind of resented my dad for this fact. It was clear that my mom was my dad's first commitment. I'm going to tell you right now, nothing got me in trouble like disrespecting my mom. Okay, like, if I didn't do the chores or if I was mean to my siblings, I felt... I felt one side of my dad's wrath. But if I disrespected my mom, I tell you what, I went running. I went running. But now that I've grown up and I'm a man of being a husband and a, and a father, I can tell you, I look back and I know that one of the critical reasons that I had such a healthy and happy upbringing was because my dad put my mom first. You know what that did? I mean, I didn't realize it then, but I look back now, and you know what that did? That brought order and structure to our home, and there's security in that. I knew that no matter what was going to happen, my dad was going to protect my mom to the very end. Like, I didn't realize it then, but I do now. Like, that provides such fertile ground for growth when there is structure and order and security but you know, church, we take a call like this to husbands, love your wives. We think this is such a simple statement, and, and it is to an extent, but 
I think we miss how profound of a statement this is. So let's, let's step back for a moment. In fact, let's take a, a giant step back. Let's go back 2,000 years to when our passage was first written. You could rightly call this, in a sense, what we're reading here today. This is ancient literature. This goes back 2,000 years, but yet it stands the test of time. See, what we have here in this section of Colossians, uh, we, we have instructions about family structure and family roles. And here's what you need to know about the ancient world. Writings like this, during this era, they were not uncommon. It was common to find writers talking about the order of a home, what a husband should do, what a wife should do, what the children should do. And, and in that context, when there was other people in the house, what, what they should be doing. It was not uncommon to find structures about how a household should run and operate. That We call them family codes. But what's important to know about this section of ancient literature in particular is this, that in, in all of the ancient literature we have until this point, and there is plenty of ancient literature around this, this is the very first time we see a call for husbands to love their wives. Up until this point and before this point, that was never a call in any of the ancient literature that we have. With the onset of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we see a qualitative shift in how families are to operate. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husband, love your wives. This is the first notion of reciprocity that we see, that husbands love their wives and, uh, that husbands love their wives and wives submit to their husbands. This, this exchange of love and respect, this is the first time we see ancient literature actually address this and instruct this. In fact, in fact, the closest we get to another piece of ancient literature that even comes close to this, do you know what, what it was? Do you know how good are you on ancient literature? Surprise, surprise, it's the Old Testament. When we find verses like this, Deuteronomy chapter 24. When a man gets married, he must not go out with the army or be liable for any duty. He is free to stay at home for one year so that he can bring joy to the wife he has married. Old Testament is so often criticized for what is seemingly these stringent and outdated rules for family and gender. And yet we see here it was, do I dare say it? Progressive for its time. In fact, if you can go back farther than this to the very first book of the Bible. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Not that a husband now owns a wife, and when she misbehaves, he can sell her for cattle. Not that a husband is to whip and subjugate his wife and beat her into submission. No, they are one. God has given equal weight to husband and wife in ways that you just do not see in other ancient literature. Why? Because this is right. This is the way that it should be. Not for the 1950s, but for all time. Where a husband and wife recognize equal value in each other, but yet they have a calling and a dance in their marriage as the wife submits to a godly husband and a husband loves his wife. But not just any love. A very special type of love. See, what's really hard is that, you know, in English, modern-day English is the most wordy language of all time. And yet, we fall so woefully short with the word love. 
We only have, in English, we only have one word for love. But in the ancient languages, they had many words for love. They had a different word for brotherly love. They had a different word for like intimate love. And this word here that we see, this is agape love. This is the love that the Bible uses to describe God's love for us. See, our culture wants to say that love is love. That is painfully ignorant. Love is not love. God is love. It's his to own and define and share and model for us. God is love. And the love that a husband has for his wife, this is agape love. This is the love that God has for us. So while we're on the topic of words here, let's do a little definition test. I'm going to give you a word. I want you to turn to the person next to you, and I want you to tell them the definition of this word or what you think this word means. Okay, ready? The word is conduit. Go ahead, take a moment. Tell your person next to you, what does conduit mean? No Googling. No Googling. Okay, let's see how many of you were right. Here's the definition of conduit, okay? A natural or artificial channel through which something is conveyed, transmitted, or distributed. For instance, this is exposed ceiling conduit. It houses and, and, and conveys and transmits something. Who got it right? Whose neighbor didn't get it right? Raise your hand. <laughs> As you look at this picture, this conduit is carrying electrical lines. It's housing electrical lines so that the electricity can pass from one point of the house to another. Here's why I bring this up. When it comes to God's love, into the home and into the marriage. I think in many ways, husbands are to be that conduit. We are to be the funnel of God's love into our homes. Men, the love that you show your wives should show her something about God's love for her. You are to love her with God's love. The, the way that you love your children should show them something about God's love for them. Husbands, if I were to ask your wives, do you feel like your husband is the conduit for God's agape love into your marriage and home? I wonder what they would say. Because I know the men at Peace Church, I know a lot of women would say, absolutely. But I wonder how many kids would say that their mother is the primary agent for agape love in the home. Husbands, I, please hear me. This sermon is not to beat you up. It's to lift you up to God's purpose to which he has ordained you in the home. This sermon is not to belittle you. It's to empower you. It's not to condemn you. It's to challenge you, to challenge me, to go and love our wives with the love that God has for us. So let's, let's take a moment and bring it down a notch. 
already said that when this call was issued some 2,000 years ago for a husband to love his wife, that was a new call. And maybe for some of the guys in here, maybe you're hearing me, and for you, this is new for you. This is a new call for you. That's okay. That's great. if, if, If you haven't been doing this, it's not a failure. But it would be if you didn't do it from here on out. The same goes for all of us, and the same goes for me. Guys, our standard is not what marriage.com says. Our standard is a love that God has for us. That's the love that we bring to our, family, our families. And uh, as I struggle to do this in my own home, I just want to share with you one way that I'm encouraged to do this, one of the ways that equips me and challenges me to do this. It's when we live with God's grace. A constant ever reminder of God's grace for us. Let's finish up our verse. It says, Husband, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Of all the ways to follow up with a call to love, the Bible completes this sentence by saying, and do not be harsh with them. Now, if you're using a translation other than the one that we provided, the ESV, this phrase may be translated a little bit differently. Let's, let's talk about this for a second. If you're using the translation that we provided, the ESV, or you're using the NIV, or the New Living Translation, this is the New International Version and the New Living Translation, it will say, do not be harsh with them. But if you use another translation, like say the King James, or the New American Standard, or the Christian Standard Bible, those translators will translate it like this, and do not be embittered towards them. And here we see the constant tension of translation. It's hard sometimes to translate what is being conveyed in one language into another in a concise way. Sometimes it's hard to get the full thrust of what is being communicated from one language to another. So, so here's the question. Well, which one is it? Well, the reality is, is it's both. It's both. Don't have bitterness towards your wife. Don't be embittered towards her. Don't let, don't let a root of bitterness take root in your heart towards your wife. And don't act harshly to her. What the Bible is saying is that, that, that our emotions and our actions need to be aligned in the way that we treat our wife. Love her. There's the proactive statement. Do not be harsh. Do not be embittered with her. There's the prohibition. Because guys, we need guidelines for this. A sermon like this is already going to get me in trouble with our culture, so I'll just go ahead and just take it up another notch here. I fully believe that God has given men a strength that he hasn't given to women. That's not to say that women can't be strong and women can't demonstrate leadership, but I'm saying I think God has given a strength to men that he hasn't given to women. And that strength is meant to be powerful. And that strength is meant to be ferocious, but it's also meant to be controlled. It's meant to be a conduit so that your family will feel the fierceness of God's love, but they'll also feel the gentle kindness of our loving Father. Men, you have a strength that you are meant to use in this. And I think one of the things that seasons the strength that we have is God's grace. I think God's grace provides the seasoning to the strength God has given us so that we can live out what he's called us to properly in productive ways. The power that God has given men needs to be seasoned with his amazing grace. Men, we need to live every day reminding ourselves and reminding each other 
This is why you need brothers in Christ around you. We need to be reminding ourselves and reminding each other of the grace that we have in Jesus Christ. And that grace, if you wonder what that grace is like, you look to the cross. You look to the cross of Christ to see the grace that God has for us, that Jesus took for us what we deserve. That should have been us up there on the cross feeling the wrath of God. Jesus took for us what we deserve. But it doesn't end there. The grace then becomes when we get what Jesus deserved. Jesus deserved life and righteousness. And when we place our faith in him, that's, God gives that to us, and that's called grace. We get the salvation that Jesus earned for us. Men, every single day, you need to wake up and cling to the cross of Christ. As men, you go to the foot of the cross and you pray for the strength and you pray for the grace to do what God's called you to do. Have a band of brothers around you who you will carry and they will carry you. As we look to the cross, we know that grace is had through Jesus. And as we look to the empty tomb, knowing that our Savior has resurrected from the grave, triumphing over Satan, sin, and death, we know that that grace is sufficient and it's final. Last week, we looked at God's call for wives to submit to their husbands. Husbands, let me summarize your counterpart like this. The wife submits and you sacrifice. In the way that Christ gave up his life and sacrifice for us, that's the love, that's what we do for our families. We set aside the things that we love and love to do. We set aside our very selves if need to, just like Jesus did for us. This is what we do for our wives. So guys, don't overcomplicate this. Husbands, love your wives with God's agape love. Don't be embittered or harsh towards them. Show them something about God's love for them. So together, church, let's read this verse one more time. Let's read this together. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Guys, please take this home. Lead with God's blessing. He has called you to this. If you walk with him, he will equip you for this. Lead with the blessing God has bestowed upon you to do this. Love with God's love. The love that you feel and have in God, through God, in Jesus, that's the love that you are a conduit now for into your homes, into your families. And live with God's grace. Be reminded every day, you didn't earn this and you don't deserve this, but God gives us grace and salvation and love nonetheless. And let that fill you as you go and do what you are called to do in the home. This church is here for you. I'm praying for you. Let's do this together, brothers. Amen. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you for the truth of your word. Father, I pray that that we would not take this and complicate this. Father, we would just love our wives with your agape love and that we would not be embittered or harsh towards our wives. Lord, that our lives and our love would be a model, an example of the love that you have for us. So Father, I pray that your grace would shape our lives and encourage our hearts and lead us as we lead our families. Father, for the men in this house or those listening now or later in a deer blind, Father, I pray that you call them to a newfound courage, that they'd stand for truth in the faith of opposition. They would not listen to a world that tells them to sit down and shut up. Father, they would set the example for us in the ways that they stand up and speak up, empowered by the Spirit to follow the example of Christ. 
Father, we do pray these things in the powerful name of our Savior, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen and amen. Church, let's stand and sing of the evidence of God's goodness in our lives.